Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what is going on? How are you? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I'm pumped to be here with you all kicking it. Friends, thank you so much. Slide into the booth. Would you like a chocolate milkshake? You want whipped cream? You want sprinkles, don't you? Well, you're only getting rainbow sprinkles because those are the coolest ones out there. But either way, friends, I am excited to kick it in the diner with you all. I'm really pumped for my guest as well. I'm not going to lie, we she and I met at a uh she and I met at a seminar that happened about a month ago, 6 weeks ago or something like that, and she asked a question and shared about 18 words and I was like, she seems cool, and I asked her to be on my podcast. So I'm really excited to get to know Dr. Amelia Regstad more. She is a passionate change agent, speaker, communication consultant and coach with over 2 decades of industry experience. She is a firm believer in authenticity and her favorite quote is be fearlessly authentic, bravely be you. With her platinum blonde hair and her purple mohawk, let me tell you y'all, this hair is fierce. You've got to see a picture of this woman. Um, She is doing just that. She's spoken on a global scale. She's done amazing things with passion for helping others. She consults and educates business professionals on the importance of understanding gender differences and communication styles and how this leads more effective communication and productivity in the workplace. And as the founder of the Women Empowerment Series, she inspires and encourages women to use their voice and initiate change. Y'all, if you didn't know she was a badass, now you know she was a badass. And all we need to do for the rest of the podcast is prove it to you over and over again. It'll be easy. Here we go. Dr. Amelia, what's <laughs> up, my friend? I love that introduction. <laughs> uh, you have me out laughing already. So thank you for having me today. Thank you for being had. Um, <laughs> I'm excited that you are here, friend. Thank you so much for kicking it with me. Now you are in you're in the Twin Cities area uh, with me as well. Yes. And uh, I, I would assume it was a little awkward when some man ran up to you and said, "Hey, I like your face and your energy." Would you care to be on my podcast? <laughs> but thank you for leaning in and being like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, it was great. Yeah. And literally, I think I did say about 17 or 18 words at that conference. And it was just a, a question or a comment that I had made. And yeah, you ran up to me right after. Literally, I believe, because I was exiting. Yeah, you <laughs> were literally leaving. leaving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, super fun to be here and to chat with you today. Indeed, indeed. I also appreciate uh, the purple mohawk as someone mm. with purple as his brand color. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's just good people wearing good colors. It is uh, my favorite color. Yeah. How long have you been rocking the mohawk for? Has this been a statement Ooh. piece for a number of years? It is not. There is a little bit of a backstory if you'd like me to share that. Yeah, I definitely do. Okay. And it actually ties into <laughs> authenticity and it's, it's kind of my <laughs> motto. So yes, as you had said, be fearlessly authentic, bravely be you. Uh, so 10 years ago, actually last week to the, to the week, I was diagnosed with malignant melanoma. Mm. And so I was in the process of moving from Canada to the United States. 
Um, and it was just one of those things where a family member was like, oh, you should go and just get that checked out. And, and I did, and nobody thought it was anything. Well, long story short, it obviously was something. Right. <laughs> so it, it involved a more extensive surgery. I was very fortunate that it was caught early, but I had to have a skin graft for my neck and um, a surgery two inches in diameter and deep to remove what they needed wow. to remove. So long story short, I had dark brown hair and I always wore it forward so that it would cover uh, the scar. And initially with COVID, I mean, if COVID taught me anything, it was that life is too short. And if I'm going to be speaking about authenticity, then I need to be authentic myself. And so once everything reopened June of 2020, I went to my my hairstylist and said, okay, I'm ready, Ashley make me blonde, give me a mohawk and what the hell throw in some purple because I'm going to rock this scar. (laughs) So, I mean, I do, I mean, it's hard to see, but I do have a fairly significant scar on my forehead. Um, and I just don't give a shit anymore. It just, this is, this is me and I love the purple and I get the purple done every eight weeks and I rock it. That is incredible. Uh, what a story. So, so they basically had to take a melon baller to your head, um, and and scoop this craziness out. That's insane. Two inches wide, two inches deep. That's nuts. Yeah. And it's, and it was too, it was one of those things where, you know, coming out of surgery, it looked like I got, you know, sounds a little bit grotesque, but you know, slit in the neck and then, you know, hit on the head with a hammer. Um, but it's part of my story. It's part of the journey that I needed to go through. And I probably wouldn't be here today or, or focusing or doing the things or having the ability to do the things from an authenticity perspective if I hadn't gone through that. Yeah. And you should see the other guy, right? right? Um, no. <laughs> uh, well, that is incredible. And I want to come back to, we will certainly come back to the work that you are doing yeah. uh, in authenticity because that is, that is uh uh, a fountain that I mm-hmm. drink from as well. Yeah. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to connect with you, but to get to know right. you even more, cause I, I, I want to hear the backstory because the fact that you mm-hmm. arrived at authenticity fairly recently as, mm-hmm. as being your, your power pose, so to yeah. speak, yeah. I, I'm, I'll be curious to know uh, more of how we, how we got there. What were you, yeah. what were you like when you felt like you were living in authentically? So let's, sure. let's take it all the way back. Okay. Uh, first off, this show is called diner talks with James. Um, and so I, I like to know what people eat late at night for, as a guilty pleasure. <laughs> now, whether, you know, if it's at a diner, you know, we're in, and we're in Minnesota, so we're going to Denny's or Perkins, yeah. um, or if you just, uh, or maybe, you know, you are born and raised, in, in British Columbia, maybe there's mm-hmm. maybe you're gonna bring up something from there that you just love and miss. You know what? Yeah. What's your late night guilty pleasure, friend? Um, I have children and a dog and a husband, so I don't stay up late. Yeah. <laughs> 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 However, if I was to, um, I am a sucker for Sour Patch Kids and mm. salt and vinegar chips together. Uh, maybe. Maybe sure. Let's see. What kind of night are we having here, folks? Right? Or, or like buttery, salty popcorn. So I'm not one for baked goods. Mm-hmm. You know, we had cheesecake last night and I took one bite and I'm like, eh, you know, not my, not my thing, <laughs> uh, but like salty, buttery goodness. Yeah. Um, and being that I'm from Canada, I also love ketchup chips. Ketchup chips are 
pretty delicious. As someone You've who loves them? ketchup, I have. Yep, I okay. have. Um, and yes, no, I have had ketchup chips and uh, and as a ketchup lover, enjoy mm -hmm. them. Yes. Uh, but I don't understand why they haven't crossed the border. I don't feel like it's not that yeah. absurd. Like there are oh. way more absurd chip combinations that are coming out down here. Absolutely. I don't understand what happened. Unless Canada's no just idea. like, we need something. Just let us have something. Right. I mean, I drove <laughs> when all dress chips came to the mm -hmm. U.S. because that was relatively new, too. Uh, I drove an hour to a Walmart down 35E because <laughs> they were in stock there. <laughs> there but, it is. But ketchup <laughs> chips haven't made it yet. They haven't made it yet. But we will drive another hour when they do. Oh. I'm down to road trip with you if that happens. Let Absolutely. me know. Absolutely. Uh, I buy them on Amazon for like $25 a package. It's wow. a guilty pleasure. And I don't yeah. do it that often, but when I really need a taste of home, mm -hmm. I hop on Amazon <laughs> and I order the ketchup chips. That's awesome. Now, Sour Patch Kids, great classic yeah. snack. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a color that is your favorite? Red and blue. Red and blue. Yeah. yeah. Red, reds you. are my favorite. Reds are my favorite. And red and blue make purple. So, huh. There it is. <laughs> and at night is when you make purple late at night. Um, uh, no, <laughs> what are we talking about right now? Yeah. Um, so, uh, no. <laughs> all right. Our branding color. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. that too. Um, <laughs> so um, that's amazing. Uh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm, I appreciate that. I also, I love, I love me some buttery popcorn mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, I mean, I can't get down with the salt and vinegar, but that's okay because okay. I'll just eat other things that yeah, we have in right? stock. Um, yeah. That's so fun. And I hear you on like maturity and age and all that kind of stuff being like, well, we can't go out late at night, but I'm glad I you know. still got a few things you, right? you sneak out of the cupboard. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to try to stay young, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of being young, you grew up mm. in Vancouver, Vancouver proper, a, a town in, in oh, British Columbia right. close so to I, it. I have to make sure that I say this because my dad will listen to this podcast after he gives right. me shit all the time. Shout out to he's dad. like, right? You don't live in Vancouver. You're not from Vancouver. Stop saying that you're from Vancouver. <laughs> okay, I'm not from Vancouver. I am from Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is about an hour from Vancouver. But if I say Abbotsford, you know, nobody knows where the hell that is. So, yeah. but it is an hour outside of Vancouver. And yes, that is where um, I was raised for 30 years before I moved to the U.S. That is amazing. Now, hour outside, more towards the coast and kind of like by Vancouver Island or, or so more inland? Is, or more inland. It actually okay. borders the U.S. border. Oh, okay. So it's Abbotsford and it's a five minute drive to the Sumas Washington border. So about two hours from Seattle. Yeah. Incredible. <clears throat> that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're right. I would not know where Abbotsford is. And I don't right. blame you for at this point in your life, just craving a little efficiency. Yeah, Let me exactly. Vancouver and let's keep it moving. Right. Uh <laughs> but for the sake of my dad, dad, Abbotsford, I'm from Thanks. Abbotsford. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for listening, dad. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> so the, the thing that I love uh, about the Pacific Northwest is mm -hmm the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. It is just a stunning place. All of the pines, all of the, the moss everywhere. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's a fairy tale, right? My, my, my wife and I just booked a, we're going for a week. Um, and we're going to go to the Oregon coast for a mm. week. We got an Airbnb on the ocean. Then we're going to go to Seattle for four or five days. She's never been to Seattle before. Nice. And, uh, and so I'm just, I'm so excited Anytime I'm out in the Pacific Northwest, it just, it just, I feel peace. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is about those trees. I don't know what it is about that, the nature. Yeah. Um, but I just, I really just absolutely love being in there. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think, or I know that I didn't 
appreciate it as much as I do now, given that I don't live there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know you're not from Vancouver, but can we talk about Vancouver? Because it's a badass city. It's beautiful. It is great. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's awesome time. The parks there are incredible. Mm -hmm. The the aquarium is one of the best I've ever been to. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just it is just a stunning place. And I love what I don't I don't think. I don't know if this is a Vancouver specific thing mm-hmm. or a British Columbia thing, um, but uh, I also really respect the way that they are dealing with, this is going to be a weird left really quick. So just okay. brace for that. The way that they're dealing with drug addicts oh. um, and, and the way that they're, they're, they're handling that. It's not just immediately lock them up. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. there's a, there's some needle programs where you right. can go and like, get clean needles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do it safely. But at the same time, wherever you get the needles, there's also a, Hey, when you're ready, on the second floor, we have a place where right. we can help you. Um, and it's yeah. really, it's such a compassionate approach mm-hmm. um, versus what happened here with the quote unquote war on drugs, right. um, AKA racism disguised. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so it is, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's a really compassionate approach mm-hmm. to addiction. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just love that part. Did that you, I'm just curious, where did you hear about it? In Vancouver. Okay. When you were uh, there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I was there, cause we sure. passed a place and I was like, Oh, is that a medical? I was like, is that a, is that a marijuana spot? Is that, yeah. you know, is that, is it a, and they're like, no, this is what it is. And they told right. me all about okay. it. And yeah. So yeah, I was there for an improv festival Oh, fun. Um, on whatever that, I forget what the little cute Island is. Granville Island. Granville Island. I yes. I was going to say that's where the improv happens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We were out at Granville Island and awesome. we got, we got to, yeah. And the, and the people took us in, put us up in their homes and oh, cool. it was really, it was awesome. So just getting to truly learn about the city. Yeah. What really time dope. of year were you there? Uh, it was the fall, I okay. believe. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, Vancouver, it's it's so stunning when you can be right on the water and then just look up and there are the mountains. Yeah. And again, That's I didn't outrageous. appreciate it as much as I do now. Because uh, again, Minnesota is relatively flat. Yeah, <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's real. That's real. Um, well, that's awesome. Thanks for letting me go off about my love on Vancouver, even yeah. though you didn't grow up there. But <laughs> close enough. Close enough. Claim it. Yep. You're fine with. You're fine in my book. I know. Thanks. <laughs> so, what was childhood like for you? You know, you, you talk about your dad. Your dad's going to listen to this podcast, is, which probably yeah. means that you have a decent relationship with him still. I do. Um, yeah. and, well, but, and both my parents are here right now visiting. So, yeah, oh, great, great relationship with them both. That's amazing. So <laughs> yeah. they're going to listen to the podcast, and they're listening on the other side of the door, making right? sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but tell me, tell me a little bit. What was childhood like? Do you have any siblings? What was what was yeah. young Amelia like? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. I am writing a book right now called The Perfect Daughter. And <laughs> it is all about how women, uh, you know, feel pressure to be perfect in all these different areas of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts out with this perfect daughter um, chapter. And so I do have a brother. He's two years younger than I am. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I was always really good at school. I was involved in dance. I was involved in athletics. Um, I won Miss Abbotsford in 1998. Yeah, you did. Got my <laughs> crown and my sash. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so young Amelia was just really involved with a lot of things. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like to talk. Um, leadership was important. 
um, did a lot of different things, but always involved. And I, it's no surprise that I ended up in communications, you know, early on in my career. Um, but yeah, I mean, love to be outside and play as a kid. And I'm so grateful that we didn't have cell phones or technology. <laughs> I really am. We're, you know, we've, I've got a teenage stepdaughter and a seven-year-old now, and it's just, my goodness, the technology is, you know, such a pain in the ass. So being a kid, I mean, it was really nice to just go outside and play. And, and that's just what you did. That's what you did. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I have great memories of, you know, growing up in Abbotsford in the summertime and playing with the neighborhood kids and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, so so it's just you and your brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, two, he's younger. I'm, I'm a baby. I'm a baby brother myself. So okay. uh, you're welcome. We're great. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it was but, National Sibling Day yesterday. Was it? I mm-hmm. definitely forgot to post. Right. Anyway, <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm wondering, and, and there may not, there may not be any correlation here, Ooh. and that's totally fine. If I'm if I'm just jumping to a conclusion, but uh, what was you know in, in writing a book called The Perfect Daughter mm-hmm. was that a pressure that you put on yourself? Was that a pressure mm-hmm. that obviously society puts on women? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, tell me tell me a little bit about that. Draw that correlation since we're yeah. talking about your childhood and yeah. and and what. You don't have to give away the whole book, obviously. But yeah, I'm, no, I'm absolutely. Curious. No, it, it it's a little bit of both. So I had always had a personal goal to write a book and I didn't know what it was going to be about mm-hmm. but I always knew that it was going to be titled the perfect daughter wow and it, it's not so much I mean and I do talk about it within this first chapter it's it's you know a bit of a therapy session for myself as well because I never felt pressure from my parents you know mm-hmm. to be this perfect daughter um, so a lot of it comes from self-pressure Um, because I was someone who, and I still am, you know, someone who exceeds at certain things, uh, or a lot of things rather, um, school came quite easy to me. So there was all these things that, um, you know, I probably put pressure on myself growing up. Um, but then there's also, and it's, it's a really complex topic, but the societal patriarchal bullshit, um, that's put on women as well. Uh, you know, we delve into quite a bit too, uh, but it's a work in progress. And I will put you on my list to be the first one to receive a copy of my book whenever oh. I get it finished. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, I hopefully I'll, I'll be at the book launch party too. There we go. So, yes. um, Cause I'm getting this shit signed. Um, <laughs> well, that's uh that's incredible. What a cool project. What an yeah. undertaking it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, with uh, someone with a PhD, you know, a lot about uh, putting in those long hours and mm-hmm. getting it done. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's fun, but, no, <laughs> but I'm yeah. still in recovery. It's been yeah. two years and I'm still in recovery. I bet. I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you were younger, you said you did dance, you did, you know, some fun stuff like that. Yeah. You know, when did you, uh, as, as you were, as you were growing up, um, do you remember this, this pressure that you put on yourself? And I mean, it's also, there might be some firstborn stuff in there as well. Right? Like you often hear like firstborns are, are, mm-hmm. um, are, are typically rule followers. Yeah, right. um, I'll, I'll let you know how my son does in a few years right now. Yeah. He's pissing everybody off. Oh, um, but, <laughs> but still, <laughs> um, uh, so as you got into high school and, mm-hmm. and, and, and those kind of places, uh, probably wasn't called high school, but either way, yeah. um, what was, what were some moments that you remember from mm-hmm. your childhood that are, that are potentially going to be informing this book or inform the way you talk today? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I, 
I don't know if there was anything specific that yeah. happened um, in my childhood about this whole idea of um, perfectionism, but I do have this feeling where friends, colleagues, family members back home aren't surprised at what I'm doing because in full transparency, and this is me being authentic as well. Like I have been successful. I've been quite successful in various areas of my life. Um, So the thought process too, that goes into this book that I'm writing is, you know, if somebody from back home saw that I was working on my PhD, I get this internal feeling of kind of what they're thinking of like, Oh, of course, Amelia is doing her doctorate. Because mm-hmm. Amelia's done all these other things. Of course, she's doing her doctorate. That's not surprising. Right? So it's kind of this. Can I say fucked up on this Please show? do. Well, I just did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just like this weird, um, I don't know, process that I think I'm working through as well, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating when we when we write a book, the therapy mm-hmm. that goes into it, the right? self-therapy. Yeah. And be like, what did I think about that? Was that... <laughs> Yeah, Uh, yeah. it's true. I mean, and and granted, I mean, I've got so it's a really neat the way that the book is shaping is each chapter is kind of a personal essay. So it's like the perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect lover, the perfect Mm. sister. And then all of these, not only my stories, but, you know, stories that I've kind of intertwined from, you know, other people in my life. Um, So it's neat. It's taking a neat. um, The flow is really neat. And yeah. what's coming out of it is really like that therapy session. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's cool. Uh, uh, I'm sure, but I'm it's sure. really neat because every time somebody like if I'm talking to especially women and I'm talking about it, they're like, oh, I can't wait to read it. And that's what I'm excited about, too, is that my hope is that it's really going to resonate. And yeah. it's and I am like raw, truthful, like there's some stuff in this where I'm like, oh, yeah, dad, you're not going to be reading chapter six because that's yeah. the perfect lover chapter. <laughs> like so but it's like a fun raw truthful experience that i'm hopeful that you know women can just kind of pick and choose and you know the stories that they read and how it's going to be relevant to them and then how we break through the patriarchal bullshit right (laughs) oh right in that part too Um, Uh, that's that's incredible. Uh, I'm also eager to read it, and I think I, I think I've told you this. My my wife is also a women's empowerment speaker. She oh. talks to women about why women need women, um, yeah. and for how women confidence should be a team sport. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I think th- your wife and I need to chat. Yeah, I think so too. She doesn't have a podcast. You're just gonna have to have a good old fashioned coffee with her. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, y'all be besties for the resties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, a similar similar vibe for sure. Very cool. So when you were younger, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, yeah, what, what were you dreaming and question. scheming about? So, <clears throat> excuse me, I always wanted to be a high school English teacher. Awesome. Uh, didn't go that route. I <laughs> so first first couple years of university, I was I <clears throat> did quite well in school on you know the English literature side, um, social studies, history, but I was never good at math and science. And so what I found within my first couple of years of university, I just was not excelling, like doing quite poorly where mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of really need to switch gears. And I don't know if I would have actually gotten through some of those courses that I would need to get my undergraduate because you have to have all those general courses. Yeah. And so I made the choice at that time to just, you know, I took a semester off um, and just worked full time. 
And then I found this really fabulous public relations diploma program. And Mm -hmm. that set kind of my life on this whole other path. And I never looked back. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So do you still have a passion for reading and literature? Is it still, is it still a fun side thing that you do? You just didn't make a life out of it. Right. I mean, so I do. So I not, not so much literature, but I love to read, you know, I read before I go to bed. I've always loved books. Uh, My son Maverick loves books. So hopefully Mm -hmm. that's something that I had passed on uh, to him. Uh, But again, like I said, I'm still recovering from my doctorate. And if I never read another research article, I'll be perfectly fine. You're going to be good. You'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's actually why I didn't go into, I I, I majored in marine biology. I have a bachelor of science in marine biology, but I didn't want to do research for the rest of my life. I just, I didn't want, I was actually, I shouldn't say that. I'm happy with doing the research. Mm -hmm. I don't want to write about it for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, do a bunch of, do like five hours, 10 hours of really cool research and then spend, you know, three years writing about it. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. And I, I feel the same way too. I mean, I have, you know, I did completed my doctorate. Obviously I had to write the 250 page, a hundred thousand word (laughs) dissertation and, and navigate through that because that was one of the most hardest things I've ever done. Um, Cause I don't necessarily have that academic brain. And I never wanted to be a researcher or publish either, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I've been, you know, fortunate with kind of building my business too. And I know we'll get to that at, at, at a later point, but um, you know, I'm taking the research that I did turn that into a business. And now I'm actually bringing that information to the public yeah. compared to writing about it and hoping mm-hmm. that another academic reads it. Well, what's the point in that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's real. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting though, cause you tell me you were, you were talking earlier about how people wouldn't be surprised to know that you got a doctorate. People wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised to know, like you've always had a drive. Yeah. Uh, maybe you, I don't know if you got the, uh, I don't know if your if your schooling did this, but we mm-hmm. always, at the end of high school, they always gave out superlatives and there was the most likely to succeed person. Mm-hmm. Right. That sounds yeah. like that's something that you would have been nominated for. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> that, uh, where did that drive come from? Was that, was that work ethic something that was instilled from your parents? It was just, sure. yeah, I, I, I would, I would say both. So, um, a lot of times, uh, folks will say to me, Oh, you're just like your mom, mm-hmm. like from that driven perspective. And it's really interesting. My parents, cause my dad is like the most laid back person yeah. and my mom is more of that driven. So it's a wonderful combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And, and I did have a strong work ethic. I had my first job at 13 working in a pizza place. Nice. Right. And I haven't stopped working. So yeah. I'm 42 and I've been working since I was 13. Yeah. Um, so that work ethic, you know, came at that young age. I don't recall if it was my parents saying, oh, you need to go get a job. Yeah. Um, I just remember we ordered pizza for Mr. Nico's Pizza and it was a cool place. And I think I probably saw a sign in the window that they were hiring. And I think at that point I was, it wasn't even legal for me to work. I think they were paying me under the table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, cash in an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Unfortunately, this isn't that kind of podcast, so that's fine. Um, it's fine. Mr. Nico, you're good. You're safe here, bud. Right? You're safe here. Uh, you know, when I'm from New York, you know what I'm saying? So we all got a guy. You know, I'm going to go do yeah. a couple things. You know what I mean? Um, right? <laughs> so uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So you decide to go. You find this PR program mm-hmm. that gets you hype, um, yeah. and you're excited about it. What was mm-hmm. it that got you excited, and what did you wind up doing with that degree? That diploma? Sure. So it ended up being um, a two-year public relations program, and I went and worked in kind of corporate PR mm-hmm. for some time. I was, you know, doing marketing for Panago Pizza, which is the national pizza chain in Canada. I'm seeing and, a chain. Oh, I'm seeing yeah. a trend. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it's so funny too. Like at a young age, you're like, okay, well, I did that to a year for a year, and I remember, you know, probably thinking I was all that at that point in time, and just assuming that they would give me a couple months off to go travel Australia. Yeah, well, obviously, right. no, they don't just give you a few months off <laughs> and hold your job. <laughs> so they said, no, sorry, we can't do that. And I said, okay, well, I quit. And I went and traveled Australia. Great. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and then I came back and I ended up working for Whistler Blackcomb, mm-hmm. um, doing communications for the mountain. And then at that point in time, I ended up, you know, doing that for a few years and I moved back to the city. And I always kept in touch with the dean of this PR program that I graduated from. And there was still, and it's kind of how everything comes full circle, this lingering idea of being a teacher. Yeah. And so she had reached out and she said, hey, you know, I've got this event management class that I need somebody to teach. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. Right. Because mm-hmm. at that point, adjunct fine. I was still um, at that point in time, I was actually working for the university in their communications department. So I could do both. Yeah. Um, And then that put me on a path where I spent the next 15 years as a university professor. Wow. So I did come full circle to this whole education Mm -hmm. theme. Um, And certainly still to this day, you have a passion and love for knowledge. Yeah, that's incredible. And a passion and love for for sharing that knowledge in a way that is sticky to others. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Like, like our our best teachers do. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, that's amazing. So what I mean, you you told us what you started out teaching. Is that what you taught for 15 years? Or I did. did So I ended up teaching PR and strategic communication. Wow. So I did that, you know, there was a few different universities that I worked for in and around the Vancouver area. And then when I moved to the Twin Cities, I spent five years teaching at the University of Wisconsin, River Falls in their marketing communications program. And then most recently, I was at the U. I'm in the Hubbard School of Journalism and Mass Media. And I was there for a few years before uh, my midlife crisis took over and I changed career paths. (laughs) Change your hair and change your career path. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, That's incredible. The... the, the, the teacher side of you mm-hmm. is very evident in the way that you talk, the way that you write, the way that you care. Sure. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's beautiful. Thank and I'm you. wondering, I'm wondering, you know, as someone who teaches communication, mm-hmm. as someone who teaches communication, I'm wondering how good are you at applying what you know to your life? Mm-hmm. For example, uh, I know plenty of parents that are psychologists, right? that aren't necessarily doing the greatest job at parenting. I know mm-hmm. plenty of teachers that like yeah. elementary school teachers that have exhausted all their patience on their students and their mm-hmm. own children don't sometimes don't get that. And, right. and I, I don't, I'm not faulting these people. I'm not, yeah. I'm not judging them. You do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of times where it's like, 
I know this. I know this at a very deep level. I should be really good at it. Why mm-hmm. am I getting in my own way? I'm wondering for you as, as a communications mm-hmm. expert is what mm-hmm. I'll call you, yeah. um, is, uh, how have you found your degree to be helpful in mm-hmm. your life? And mm-hmm. where have there been some places where you've been like, God, this is still hard, even yeah. though I'm an expert. Absolutely. And it's so funny that you even asked that question because my mom totally called me out like this weekend and said, you need to learn how to communicate to your kids better. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I mean, it's certainly an interesting dynamic. I am much more cognizant of um, kind of what comes out of my mouth. Uh, I'm much more cognizant of actively listening. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying to have, you know, a really engaging conversation where, you know, I'm listening to understand and not to respond, which is so key when we're in conversations. Yeah, that reminds me of a story I have, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you just did there. <laughs> um, you know, building an understanding of one's communication style is something that I'm, I really focus on in my work. So understanding how I communicate and then how the people around me communicate And I just, you know, I just pay attention to that and, you know, have learned different things over the years. Um, But to answer your question about like falling short, it is one of those things. And and you had mentioned that you have a son too. So I'm sure you can appreciate communicating with your children is really different, (laughs) (laughs) right? You know, so it's not like, you know, you and I are having this conversation um, and even, you know, even if it's, it gets heated or what have you, like we can navigate through that and kind of come out the other side mm-hmm. with children and, and granted too. So I've got, you know, a 15 year old stepdaughter and then I have a seven year old, right? So there's eight years in between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so that's very different parenting and that's mm-hmm. very different communication also. Right. So my stepdaughter's talking back and Maverick's not listening. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I can only apply my area of expertise so much before I just want to run away. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I got a doctorate in communications, not mindfulness. So you're going to catch this heat sometimes. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, That's incredible. It's a, as someone who, I have been, uh, I, I've, I'm, a, I'm in my second marriage yeah. and, and as someone who talks about authenticity and mm-hmm. vulnerability, mm-hmm. it's ironic because I, I wrote a book around authenticity and vulnerability while I wasn't being that with mm-hmm. my first partner. Sure. Um, and I, I guess, I, I guess I thought, you know, it's interesting because you think you're being it, but then yeah. you realize, oh, wait, I really wasn't. And then you right? get in another relationship where you're like, oh, shit, these are layers deeper yeah. here. Totally. And and uh, and so it's fascinating to think about, you know, the work mm-hmm. that we do and then applying it to our marriages and, like mm-hmm. you said, parenting and whatnot. Uh, right. As someone who is a uh, – who, who loves the intricacies of communication, mm-hmm. has studied all of that, mm-hmm. in your uh, romantic relationships, mm-hmm. um, is this something that your partners call you out on? Is yeah. this something that, you know, they get brought – like, I don't – we don't need to mediate the conversation, honey, right? Um, right? Like, you know, what – how does it come up in some of those everyday situations yeah. where you can't be like, well, you know, technically the research says that right. how you're acting right now is <laughs> – yeah. No, and it's interesting too. And this is like, 
you know, right. That, that vulnerability that we talk about, because mm -hmm. as you were just speaking there, like in my mind, I was thinking, okay, yeah, again, that's putting this pressure on ourselves, right? So pressure on you because you're an expert in authenticity. And then you realize, oh shit, I'm not being authentic. Right. And then yeah. same here, like there is a bit of that pressure because um, my husband will call me out too. And he's just like, don't use that tone with me. And I'm like, what? I'm pissed off. I am going to use that tone with you. <laughs> right. When tone of voice is something that I talk about. Yeah. Right. But yeah. on the flip side of it too, though, it's like, we're still human beings. Right. Right. So I don't give a shit if I have a doctorate in communications. I'm going to make <laughs> you mistakes. did something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're not, we're not perfect human beings. So, yeah. yes, that's my area of expertise, but we all fall short and we have to have the freedom to make mistakes on our own, also. So, yeah. yeah. Do I always follow my own advice? Of course not. Right. Like, yeah. I don't. There's times when I do get into arguments where, yeah, I know better from a communication mm -hmm. perspective, but shit, we all make mistakes. We all do dumb things. And that's just part of living. Yeah. Right. It's I been five hours since I ate last, or I only got two hours of sleep or yeah. life yeah. is happening or right. whatever. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that grace. Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciate that grace as, um, as someone who has uh, been diagnosed, diagnosed with mild perfectionism. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, well, that's not good enough. <laughs> I, need to be, I need to be better at that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's uh it is something that I, I try not to beat myself up over, but mm -hmm. I do. Right. Like, right. And, yeah. and that's also because yeah. as a human, I'm someone who takes things on as mm -hmm. opposed to like the rubber, the rubber versus glue analogy. I'm frequently the glue. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. uh, and that's just kind of who I am as an accommodator, yeah. as uh, sure. all those kinds of things. <clears throat> but yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's fascinating to think about mm -hmm. uh, some of those moments. There's moments where my wife is even like, I don't, I don't need coaching tone right now. I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I know you're a coach. I don't need right. coaching. Right. Yeah, just need yeah. straight, straight empathy here is good enough for me right, right. now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I appreciate those moments where mm -hmm. she can be clear with what she needs right. because there's moments where I know to ask, but forget mm -hmm. to ask and just jump sure. into, mm -hmm. as you talked about those instincts, we still have instincts. We still got all this stuff that's firing behind us. Absolutely. It's humanity slapping yeah, us is. around. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Humanity should slap us around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm wondering for you in, in, in all of your studies around communication mm -hmm. and your, and your, uh, your doctorate and whatnot, and I'll be curious to hear what your doctorate is about, what you want to, what your dissertation was on. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but in, in all your studies of it, has there been anything that has been a, this is going to be a vague question, but mm -hmm. I'm just here to see where it goes. But has there been anything that's been a light bulb moment for you mm. of like, oh, shoot, that makes so much sense about why people act this way or that way or why mm -hmm. people communicate this way or that way? Is there, was, did you, you remember in your learning that sure. you had any moments like that that just kind of like, oh, shoot, mm -hmm. that puzzle mm -hmm. piece fits there? There is. So the, a lot of so I'll answer kind of your other question about the dissertation, too, because it ties together. So it was on gender differences in communication style and how it influences the workplace. So essentially how men and women communicate differently. Um, and I was looking specifically at the PR industry. What was a light bulb moment for me was really delving into some of the other work that had been done. So Deborah Tannen is a linguistics scholar at Georgetown University. Um, and she had spent much of her career looking at how men and women communicate in the workplace. And when we talk about linguistic styles, 
you know, this made sense to me. So our linguistic style is, you know, you learned at a young age, like mm -hmm. three, four, five years of age, um, playing on the playground with our peers, right? Girls tend to have a singular best friend. They'll speak really close to one another. They'll be with a small group. They're trying to build this rapport. Boys tend to play quite differently. Larger groups, very much trying to one up each other. And they're focused on building rapport, but doing it so in a hierarchical social order. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that boys and girls are all comfortable in these play groups, but you know, the, the research and data will tell us that for the most part, this is where we, at that young age, we learn our conversation style. And then that translate as, as we get older and can be carried over into the workplace. So it's, it's really interesting to see um, kind of how that has transferred over. And when I talk to people about that or, or introduce them to the idea of a linguistic style, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about is, you know, not having the research that's being done, just sitting with the academics, because what's the point of that? Yeah. You know, I try to communicate that out to professionals and say, hey, like, what if you looked at your linguistic style, you know, give thought to that as a different perspective, mm -hmm. how may that shape some of your conversations or how does that shape your communication style in the workplace? Um, and that's for me is one of those light bulb moments that I was like, yeah, that linguistic style that makes complete sense to me. And it seems to do that with the people that I interact with as well when I start talking about it. Yeah. Fascinating. It you got me thinking really all the you got, yeah, you got me thinking all the way back to childhood right now I'm playing mm -hmm. basketball on the court or playing whatever. Um yeah. or just yeah, all that kind of stuff. And it yeah. is uh I'm trying to like go back and picture the elementary school playground of like who was mm -hmm. with who and what was happening, right. right? Just even just like you talked about the, some of those early learned things. Yeah, yeah. And it and a lot of it too is just based on that social influence at a young age. Yeah. But again, yeah, not to sure. say, I mean, it can also be considered a generalization. So it's not, you know, it's, it's how it's interpreted as well. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the difference between communication between men and, and women is fascinating, mm -hmm. right? I mean, comedians mm -hmm. have joked about it for years. People have written about it. TV shows have become famous around it. Right. Um, and it is, is it something that is, uh, is this something that can be improved or is mm -hmm. it something that it's like improving it means just being more aware mm -hmm. and being mm -hmm. able to catch our patterns? Sure. Right? It's, it's a bit of both. Okay. So I always, you know, encourage, you know, clients and folks that I'm interacting with or coaching kind of look at three different parts. So we have those linguistic styles that are learned at a young age, right? So in uh, another example of a linguistic style, I use my hands a lot. That's part of my linguistic style. Yeah. Uh, so we've got our linguistic styles. Then we have our communication styles. And there's a ton of different assessments out there. There's one that I use called straight talk um, that really helps us to understand how we communicate. Mm -hmm. Then we also have our personality traits and our personality traits are fixed characteristics, right? It's really challenging to change someone's personality trait. Yeah. Okay. So if you think about it from a workplace perspective, if we have a narcissistic boss that we're interacting with, like, I mean, good luck. You're not going to be able to change that person's behavior, right? Mm -hmm. If that's that trait that they're exhibiting. However, if we can build an understanding of not only our communication style, but the communication styles of others, we can start to modify and adapt how we communicate 
so that we can navigate through some of those more challenging conversations. Yeah, I love that. I love it because it gives it gives some um, <clears throat> uh, it gives some hope, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and I mean, it's still uh, the power of self awareness is real. Oh, and one is. thing I can't stand one can't one thing I can't stand is like you know a narcissistic boss or, mm-hmm. or just someone who has uh, wild opinions or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always these individuals that are is like, well, this is just the way I am. Right. Um, and it's like, that's, that's not authenticity. No. Um, right. No. That's uh, arrogance. Right. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so, yeah. So those moments of, you know, can we get that narcissistic boss to admit mm-hmm. that right. they are someone who often puts themselves at the front? Yeah. Uh, probably not if it's not diagnosed, but. Right. 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 <laughs> um, but still. But there's something to be said too. It's, and that's why I like what you're saying about the self-awareness because not everybody has self-awareness. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's a, a really important, significant fact. And, and when I'm chatting with folks, too, it's about, you know, you got to put the time in. Right. If you want to become a more impactful leader or a more effective communicator, like you got to dig down deep to mm-hmm. some of these things and put the time in if you want to improve. Right. We can't just take an assessment and be like, okay, good. I'm this, I'm that. And then move on. Like it doesn't work like that. What box are Um, you in Jim? Um, (laughs) Right. And then, and then there's also too, you know, some people just aren't kind, nice people. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where some of those challenges do come to fruition, you know, from a communication perspective, if there's somebody that you were butting heads with in the office, um, and it's really important for you and for you, just your self-awareness, for your well-being. You know, we have to kind of own that and, and take that on because the likelihood of that other person changing, if they're not recognizing what's going on, it's likely not going to happen. And it, it is going to be, you know, put back on us. If we want to navigate through and have a peaceful day at work, you know, we need to change our style and try to navigate through that and put the time in to figure out how we can better communicate with that individual. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Because okay. I mean, yeah, we assume our brains are phenomenal pattern generating machines. Right. Um, and so, uh, and those patterns are coming to play in, in, in all of our mm-hmm. relationships with people we'd mm-hmm. like and don't like, right. We see that person walking across the, the office towards us and we love them. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh shoot. There's, there's Mary. We're going to talk about this. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're going to laugh. We'll crack some jokes and we'll go on with our day. And that's awesome. But mm-hmm. then there's also okay, here comes Frank and Frank's going to complain and Frank's going to do this. Right. And eventually we just keep putting the filter up where it's like mm-hmm. this, I'm seeing them. This is what will happen. Mm-hmm. But that filter mm-hmm. isn't always fair. Right. Um, though, though we've, we've built up, uh, mm-hmm. we've built up the argument for it, yeah. but now we yeah. look for the things. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it's, I forget what that's called when you're, when you're like, when you're going through a breakup and you're getting, you're preparing for a breakup mm-hmm. and you start to point all the things that are wrong with that individual out and you just start right. to look for only those things. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a term for that. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but either way, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about this because mm-hmm. those patterns that we have with people are able to be broken. They are. They but absolutely are. But it's up to us to do the disruption. We can't wait for them to do it. Yeah. And and going off of, yeah, absolutely. And going off of that too, you know, and some of the other things that I chat about is, you know, shifting our perspective or changing our mindset mm-hmm. to, and it's not easy to do, but to think a little bit more positive yeah. about things, right? Because if we think about mindset, if we think about well-being, like who the hell wants to go into work every day and think negatively about Joe down the 
cubicles, right? Like what if we changed our perspective and tried to think more positively about, you know, that meeting that you have coming up, you know, that it's, it's going to be challenging and you've got, you know, things that you want to make sure that you say, but you know, what if you try to plan out that communication a little bit? What if you jot down a few things that, you know, you need to make sure that you reiterate and try to think more positively about that? Mm-hmm. Because knowing if that other person's not going to change, it does come back to us. Like, how do we personally want to show up? How do we personally want that conversation to make us feel? Mm-hmm. How are we going to navigate through that if Joe's not willing? Yeah. So yeah, communications, yeah. I mean, there's so many intricate little details about how we communicate. Yeah. And, but mindset is an interesting thing that we don't often Mm -hmm. think about. Right. Um, Right. I mean, we, but you hear sports people talk about Mm -hmm. it all the time. Sports Mm -hmm. psychologists, sports people um, and athletes be like the mindset going into the game. Um, It's also the mindset when you're going to have a hard conversation with Mm -hmm. your partner, the the mindset when you have that conversation with your, with your boss, with the Mm -hmm. whoever, Mm -hmm. with somebody that annoys you, you, you you get to choose your mindset. It is. Um, and uh, but we don't we forget that we have that control. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and even as you're talking there, like I'm thinking of like my son, he's been really challenging the last few weeks, like just not listening, you know, trying to position his power or what have you. And as you were talking, I'm like, yeah, you know, like I've been trying to make more of an effort of like getting down to his level, like literally like sitting down on the ground with him or sitting on his bed with him and having those conversations. And instead of flipping out and getting angry and yelling and screaming, which, you know, I certainly do as a parent, (laughs) you know, what if I tried to approach that conversation with my son a little bit more positively, Mm. right? Like Maverick, like, dude, what's going on? Like, what is it? How can mommy help you to listen you know, when I need you to listen, right? Or how can I help you make going to bed easier? What can mommy do to help you? Um, You know, just to, to, again, too, for my sake, for both of our sake, right? So that I'm not going to bed angry or I'm not stomping around the house really frustrated at my kids. And, you know, I'm like our kids learn from us, obviously. So like, I'm sure that would help Maverick also. Right. Yeah, your arm's tired from throwing all the spaghetti on the wall. Instead, let's ask a question right. um, and yeah. and take a shot. Right? Right. Yeah. Uh, are kids able to uh, completely express what they need in that moment? Maybe right. not, not, but we can get closer. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, and it's it's a powerful tool for them also to be mm-hmm. able to start to name what they are feeling. Right. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, you said that you you did uh, your dissertation uh, thinking about the communication difference between, yeah. between men, male identifying and female identifying mm-hmm. folks. Um, and so uh, I'm wondering, one of the big things that is has come up a lot in the last I don't know, maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. I feel like this word has gained a lot of prominence, um, is gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that men frequently gaslight women mm-hmm. um, by if a woman is 
sharing an opinion is being assertive at work, which is a positive mm-hmm. quality. Instead, mm-hmm. we tell them they're bossy, right? right. Um, and, and whatnot. Or whenever, you know, this happens with partners where it's like, oh, my, my wife's being dramatic or, mm-hmm. you know, she takes everything too far or, uh, or, you know, those kind of moments where we tell women like, ah, you're crazy. You're fine. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Right. Uh, and that is a big problem. It's a problem in sexism. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of, um, it's, it's very modern day sexism gaslighting, right. um, right. <clears throat> because we can't just tell women X, Y, or Z anymore. Cause that's mm-hmm. blatant sexism. Mm-hmm. So that's good that we've noticed that that's wrong, but now we've right. figured out these other ways that are almost mm-hmm. worse because mm-hmm. they make people feel crazy. When you get gaslit, you're like, am I the problem? Like right. what's, you know, right. And so right. I'm wondering, uh, <clears throat> I'm wondering as as a man who is a work in progress mm-hmm. um, and uh, is is aware of what gaslighting is, mm-hmm. um, is this something that you have uh, had conversations about? And is this yeah. something that I, I know it's something that you are passionate mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. about? I, I would just be curious to hear you speak on it for a little bit and sure. ways to catch ourselves and mm-hmm. and also to those female listeners as well, ways to push back against it as well and stand in your truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, pushing back and standing in your truth to me is all about being authentic mm-hmm. because, you know, as women, we have to be, and it's not easy to do. So I say that, I say this, you know, recognizing that it's not easy to do. Um, but standing firm and being confident in what we say, what we do, um, and being empowered to do that. Uh, you know, from a male perspective, you know, being an ally to women, Mm -hmm. right. If you see that behavior taking place, say something, Mm -hmm. right. Like don't continue joining the boys club and laughing about it or saying that woman's a bitch just because she spoke her mind in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, my personality communication style does tend to be or can be more on the aggressive side. And I'm sure, I mean, I, even my students, I had students, they either loved me or hated me. Right. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And and that was just, that was just it. Um, Because I would tell it how it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, no, I'm not giving you an extension because, you know, you missed (laughs) the bus or whatever the, you know, lame ass excuse of the day was. Um, But there's something to be said about, women feeling like they can be authentic and having some of those tough conversations. Mm -hmm. And my hope is too, I mean, it goes back to also those personality styles, those fixed characteristics, because not all men make those comments, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm married to a lovely man who you know, isn't focused on that. Like, you know, he, those types of words wouldn't come out of his mouth. Right. Right. And, and it's, so not all men are like that and not all women are like certain ways. There's all of these components that play a role in that behavior. Mm -hmm. Are there sexist, misogynistic assholes out there? Yeah, of course they are. We're not Mm -hmm. gonna be able to change them. That behavior is not going to change. Yeah. You know, and we can try as much as we can. You know, there's an education component to that. Um, you know, my hope is that both women and men can call out that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe too, it's it takes time. It will there ever be gender equality? I hope so. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I have the confidence to say that I'll see it in my lifetime. Sure. Um, but it's certainly something to work towards. Yeah. That equality perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> and uh, I think, I think, I think we are working towards it. Um, and uh, I think we do have a long way to go. <laughs> Both are true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so you, uh, so you get, you get your doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you fight the battle that is getting a doctorate. Yes. Um, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so and then you, you you talked about having this uh, uh, epiphany or this mm-hmm. awakening moment, um, and now you're you're no longer teaching. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you're no longer teaching at, at formally sure. um, on at a university, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, but you're doing plenty of other teaching as a speaker, yeah. as a yeah. as a consultant, as mm-hmm. a uh, you know the founder of the Women's Empowerment Series, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, so tell me a little bit of of of, of how we got there and yeah. what you're doing now. Yeah. So it was. You know, something that I had always said to my students, you know, as they were these up and coming PR communication professionals was whatever you do, find your passion in that. Live your passion. I have a tattoo on the top of my foot that says live your passion in Hawaiian. Olako Koni Koni. So I am a firm believer in living your passion. What I found, though, you know, after teaching for the past 15 years, I just wasn't as passionate about it Mm -hmm. as I was before. So I felt like I had to take my own advice with that. And, you know, I still, I do have that passion and love for knowledge and education and, and educating people, but I've just shifted to, instead of now educating the up and coming professionals, you know, educating my peers and my colleagues and, and looking at it more from a training perspective. Because too, it was COVID did so many things, you know, negatively, of course, but also positively, too. I mean, having that experience of, you know, teaching from home. So when the world shut down in March 2020, it was in within three days where I was never going back to the U of M. (laughs) Those decisions to move everything online happen so quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that also, you know, helped me kind of come to fruition to make that big career leap as well. Because Mm -hmm. the other thing too, I mean, I'm going from, you know, your annual teaching salary, which let's face it, you're not making millions as an academic, um, but to not having a salary. And right. So that was a big leap, but teaching in, that online environment, I believe helped me make that decision Mm -hmm. quickly because I like being in front of people. I like being able to pace a room. I like being able to go up to students' desks and be like, Hey, like, let's take a look at this. And you just don't have the ability to do that when it's virtual. Mm -hmm. So that also helped make my decision. And I was really fortunate that there was so much interest in the topic of my dissertation. And so I utilized that to my advantage. I started speaking about my research. People were really interested in the gender differences component within, you know, how men men and women communicate similarly or differently in the workplace. And so I built a business around it. Mm -hmm. And and so now I'm going into corporations um, and working with groups and individuals to communicate more effectively, you know, in the workplace. Gender differences plays a role in that. 
but there's so much more that we talk about. Of course. And it's just been a really great transition. You know, and, and somebody usually asks me like, well, you did that doctorate. And I'm like, oh yeah, I spent seven years doing my doctorate. And then I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to teach anymore. What am I going to do with my life? Yeah. But, you know, I, I still have the doctorate and there's still credibility that is, you know, backed into that. And, you know, and it's working to my advantage. And so I don't sure. feel like I wasted that education. You know, that was just, again, part of my journey yeah. to where I am now. People love to put people in boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you got your doctor, what university are you going to spend the rest of your life at until you yeah. die? Right. Um, right? Like, I mean, it's a, and whatever you do with your degree and your education is up to you. Yeah. Um, and you're, you are most certainly using it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in a really brilliant way. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, helping you earn some checks that right. you might not have gotten in that other setting yeah. um, for sure yeah. <clears throat> um, on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, excuse them for not allowing you to work mm-hmm. smarter, not harder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the work that you get to do, you, you have the opportunity to spend uh, time in rooms that are multi-gendered mm-hmm. and then also single-gendered. Yeah. Uh, I know that you, I know that you enjoy both because you do mm-hmm. both. Yeah. If you had to choose, which one would you choose? Mm-hmm. That, oh, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, so the, it's tough. I mean, I, I love working with all genders um, mm-hmm. because we can all learn to communicate more effectively. So it's really fun going into an organization with mixed gender groups because um, just different light bulbs go off. There's different experiences. You know, we all experience life differently. And, but I will say, I really do love working with women and tying in this whole idea of empowerment with communication. And that's where the Women Empowerment Series came to fruition. And it was after the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in fall of 2020, Mm -hmm. such a spitfire, um, loved her, but I didn't really know too, too much about what she was responsible for. So after her passing, I delved into that a little bit more and, and she was so focused on gender equality in the workplace and so focused on, well, not focused on, but she was responsible for rather like women being able to use credit cards, right? So yeah. like stuff that's just kind of mind boggling. Yeah. And after her passing, I was like, well, what can I do to continue her legacy, to move her mission forward? And, you know, I was thinking about it and I was, you know, chatting with my husband about what I wanted to do. And he's like, the woman empowerment series. Thanks, bud. (laughs) So the Women Empowerment Series is a cohort-based program that encourages and inspires women to use their voice to initiate change. Hmm. But that change can mean whatever it means to each woman that I work with. So, you know, for me, gender equality is important in the workplace. For somebody else, it could really just be navigating a tough conversation with their male boss. Mm Mm-hmm. So the series is all about empowerment, but through communication. So we talk about linguistics and communication styles, gender differences, stereotypes, confidence, authenticity, um, common communication challenges, and how we navigate through some of those things that we you know, come to fruition in the workplace. So it's a great series. We've had over 50 women go through the program over the last That's 18 awesome. months. 
Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited about moving it forward. That's awesome. Is yeah. it a, is it an in-person yeah. experience? Is it a, uh, a course? Is it what, what, what is it? What's so a container? It was, um, so started in fall of 2020. So it yep. was all virtual. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Which is a great place. To, it's a great time to try something out. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. And, and, yeah. and one of my friends was just like, oh, cause I dug my heels in with the whole virtual stuff. I'm like, I yeah. didn't want to go there. And finally, one of my good friends, uh, Laura was like, just try it. You got to try it. <laughs> you know, So I did. And so it's still virtual right now. And what I love about it is that it brings, it creates this community. It brings women from all areas. So there's mm-hmm. been women in Canada, there's been women all across the US in all different industries, like constructions, forensics, teaching, like mm-hmm. it just brings different women together, which I love. Uh, but then I also offer it to organizations. So I can go into organizations and work with, you know, women in an accounting company, yeah. um, leadership groups, so it's, you know, the, the cohort base is, is virtual, but I'm starting to give thought to, okay, well, would women be interested in doing it face-to-face, mm-hmm. which would be great. But then that limits it to the twin cities, you know, or if I flew somewhere for it to be, uh, but it's about that to navigating. Model. Yeah. The retreat model, like trying to navigate through like meeting women where they're at. Yeah. And, you know, that's been a challenge too, because, you know, we are slowly coming out of everything being virtual, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're not going to ever get away from it completely. Um, So there's lots of opportunities for me to give thought to, okay, well, we've been doing this for, you know, it'll be two years this fall. Where are women at now? What's the best way to reach them with this really important information? Yeah, that's awesome. The business brain to me is also like there's different, I'm seeing different price tiers right now. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk about that offline if you want. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, that's a cool thing to dream and scheme about because yeah. uh, why not reach more people? Um, so yeah, Definitely. I get that. And and uh, and just in case you weren't sure that you and Tina needed to become friends, uh, she yeah. is also, uh, she has nevertheless, she persisted here in her mom's handwriting on her arm. Yes, yes. Uh, she's getting Ruth Bader Ginsburg collar over here. Oh yeah. Um, and, you see this uh, up here? You see I, that up there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do it. And, do it. She and she runs and she runs a women's empowerment conference called Persist. Okay. Um, and so y'all too, y'all really it's gonna it's gonna happen. It's gonna be yeah. ugly. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but uh but still, um that's that's incredible. What an amazing opportunity uh to uh to help individuals find their voice and yeah. whatever that means, whether whatever it's a, it means. in the equality space or in yeah. the art, you know, in a tough conversation space yeah. or just in a I don't know, negotiations, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that is really, that's really beautiful. Yeah. You know, women are taught so much societally mm-hmm. uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll end on this, uh, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Women are taught so much societally to often, uh, you know, play smaller, right? Mm. Uh, turn their volume down. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and I think, you know, we're getting better uh, mm. with some of that kind of stuff, but there's mm-hmm. still plenty of work that needs to get done. Yeah. Um, just because some people can live out loud on social media doesn't mean that they can live out loud in the workplace. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean they can live out loud in the, in the at home. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean they can even live out loud in their friend groups sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we, uh, as we think about tying authenticity into mm-hmm. women's empowerment, Connect those dots for me yeah. uh, for some listeners that maybe, uh, I don't know, are, are struggling to find their voice or mm-hmm. want to amplify, but don't know how or, yeah. or whatnot. 
I mean, the first thing I would say is take up space and try your damnedest not to be scared to do so because all women have a purpose. They all have something to say. And it really goes back to that quote that I love, be fearlessly authentic, bravely be you, because we are constantly invited to be ourselves. So we need to be able to, it's not easy, right? And we have to, you know, it, it depends on the situation we're in and what we're trying to navigate through. Um, but we have to have the freedom to be our authentic selves, right? We might have to rein ourselves in here and there. And again, that's situational. Um, but there's so, it's so important to be authentic, yeah. be who you are, um, yeah. take up that space. Um, don't shy away from making that impact and, you know, using your voice to initiate change, mm -hmm. whatever change means to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And authenticity, you know, this this drives me nuts, and as I'm sure it frustrates you, but authenticity is this buzzword now, it right? Is. And then that's and that's unfortunate mm -hmm. uh, because as soon as someone something's labeled a buzzword, it's like all of a sudden now it doesn't matter as much, right? Or now we're not allowed to talk about it. It's like I'm yeah. sorry, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Cliches got to be cliches because they're undeniably true. Right. So whatever, here we go. But uh, so authenticity matters, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the pursuit of authenticity is one that is powerful mm -hmm. because a lot of times we want people that will just be you just stand in your truth, just mm -hmm. speak. And, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, just take up space. And, but the pursuit of, of knowing ourselves, of trusting ourselves, yeah. of being confident in who we are is a hell of a journey. Absolutely. Um, as someone with a low self-esteem who tells right. my counselor this weekly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it is, uh, it is to tie in a word that you used earlier. It's, mm -hmm. it's, giving yourself the grace to be where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of what I think about as authenticity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Authenticity isn't something you are working towards. Right. It is something that you are giving grace, giving mm -hmm. yourself grace to allow yourself to be where you are. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I hate that it's a buzzword uh, because it's like, it feels like it's there's people are trying to delegitimize what we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so I'm just feisty about it for that reason right. too. Um, but uh, I lied. I have one more question for you. Okay. When you think about authenticity, yeah. um, what does the pursuit of it look like for for you? Mm -hmm. um, for you, you know, Doctor Amelia Ragstag, like right? you know, as you step into <laughs> your own authenticity with your badass mohawk, and yeah, your, you know that kind of stuff. Like what? Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Just, I mean, it to me, it's it's owning what I do. It's owning what I say. Uh, it's being unapologetic. Mm -hmm. for myself and what I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, like the communication and treating people with kindness and all that kind of stuff is, is so important. And sometimes, you know, again, like you said, that idea of authenticity, people are like, well, I'm just being authentic if I'm an asshole. Well, <laughs> no, that's not actually what we're talking about. Right. Like yeah. there's, there's so much other things that go into that. Um, and I don't feel that, it's kind of like one and done, right? Mm -hmm. So I talk about like being my authentic self, be fearlessly authentic, bravely be you. That's a continual journey. It's not something that I can say, well, great, I'm authentic. Box checked. Exactly. There's yeah. so much more mm -hmm. that goes into that. But for me, authenticity is 
I want my life. I want what I do to be grounded in authenticity. Mm -hmm. So it's always there, right? Like it's always floating around. It's written down. It's being brave. There's so much, so many different components that go into that. And it's me just constantly striving towards that goal. Mm -hmm. But it did start with being able to rock my scar and being comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Um, and, and the purple Mohawk was mm-hmm. about for me, you know, just being authentic and being me. That's badass. Yeah. I'm here for it. I'm here <laughs> for it. Dr. Amelia Ragsack, thank you so much for thank kicking you. it in the diner with me. You are indeed a badass. I'm glad in 16 words, you convinced me of right? that. Um, and uh, <laughs> so the power of first impressions. That um, was awesome. You are uh, truly special. And I'm glad thank that we live you. close to each other because I'd, I'd love to have a coffee with you. Oh, absolutely. Um, and introduce you to Tina. That would be great. Uh, yeah. In the interim though, how can other people yeah. hang out with you? How can people get in touch with you? What, you know, where does the women empowerment series live? If I'm interested yeah. in learning more about it. Absolutely. So just um, head on over to my website. It's ameliarigstad.com. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on all the different social channels. I'm pretty easy to find. So I'd love to continue those conversations. Love that. Rigstad is R-E-I-G-S-T-A-D. Yes. You're a boss, friend. I really appreciate you, you hanging out in the diner with me. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Y'all, that was my time with Dr. Amelia Ragstad. My gosh, my mind is blown. I'm so excited. I got things to do. I feel like I need to go apologize to Tina and also lift her up. Uh, but either way, <laughs> either way, y'all, uh, well, some of the biggest things that, I, that I'm that i taking away from this conversation is that, uh, yes, we are all a work in progress. Yes, there is work to be done. And yes, we can do it. And we should do it. It is worth our time. It is worth our energy. And other people are worth our compassion. Um, thinking about the way that you routinely communicate with friends, with family, with loved ones. You know, I, I, my parents never called me. I was always the caller in my family's relationship. Um, and then I called my parents one day and I told them, hey, it bothers me that you never call me. And they say, well, why should we call you? You always call us. And I said, I know that is true. What could also be true and what would mean a lot for me is if you called me every once in a while, because it just feels nice to be thought about. And that pattern is slowly changing and I'm grateful for it. But what it takes is standing in your truth and standing up for yourself and speaking with clarity. Um, and that's a lot of what Dr. Amelia Regsad is talking about here uh, as you step into your beautifulness. So my friends, thank you for kicking it in the diner. And as always, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Take care. Y'all, it was so much fun kicking it in the diner with you. And I would say our timing was right about perfect because I just finished the last few drops of my milkshake. <laughs> Listen, y'all, you would do my self-esteem a huge favor if wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could leave a rating, if you could subscribe, if you could leave a comment, a review, anything like that, that is how we get this podcast into more people's ears. And if you want to stay in touch with the podcast elsewhere, we are Diner Talks with James on Instagram. Pretty original, huh? I agree. Also, if you want to hang out with me, Just individually on more places, I am James T. Robo all over the internet. Y'all had a blast with you. I appreciate you. Take care and stay great.